Hello, friends. I want to say welcome to Vernonia Church and our online teaching time. My name is Sam. I'm the pastor here at Vernonia Church, and I'm so glad that you came to join us here online. I want to say welcome to all of you who have joined on Facebook and who are here today on Facebook. Welcome. So glad that you're here. And I want to say welcome to you who are on our YouTube channel. I want to say welcome. It's good to have you here with us today. I want to say welcome to those of you who are on podcast, and it's so good great to have you listening today. And those of you on Spotify, it again is good to have you here. Uh, if you've never used any of the other platforms as a helpful tool for you, I know some people, they, they love to join us on Sunday morning on one of our live broadcasts, like on Facebook or YouTube. And uh, they like to watch what's happening. And, and some of you, you love to listen in the car or listen on the go. And, and maybe you want to do kind of both. I would encourage you check out Spotify or iTunes, whichever one you use to listen to audio, and be sure to uh, be sure to subscribe to the Vernonia Church channel. Be sure to check that out. Check us out there, and and you should be able to find us pretty easy. Uh, just want to say welcome to all of you who are doing uh, wherever you are, however you're joining us. Glad that you're here, and I hope that God has something special for you today. He has a special reason, a special plan for you to be joining us here. Uh, and in just a few moments, we're going to continue our series where we have begun last week talking about why we call Jesus Lord. We're leading into the holiday season, leading into Christmas, starting early, thinking about calling Jesus this, this baby that was born. We call him Lord, and why? And well, in just a few moments, I'll share with you a teaching about how with his coming, God had broken silence, and it's going to be a great day. I do want to encourage you, no matter, before we dive into that, no matter what, you're, what platform you're on, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, or, or a podcast, whichever one you're doing, I want to encourage you to use the social media tools there that will help this, this teaching time grow and its outreach and effectiveness. Uh, make sure that you're liking and subscribing. Make sure that you're uh, clicking the sub notification bell so you can be alerted when new messages come out. Uh, also want to encourage you, be sure to leave like five-star reviews, you know, or reviews that, that, are, that are honest, you know, let us know uh, how, what you think and, and how this this online teaching has been blessing you and helping you and, and ministering to you. Uh, that would be great. That would help this station channel grow. Also want to encourage you, uh, and this is really important, and it has less to do with us and more to do with you and the people we might be reaching. Want to encourage you that if anything you hear today is a blessing to you, be sure that you're to be sharing it. Uh, be sure to to share it, send a private message to somebody, share it with somebody through text or or share it to your page or whatever you can do to share it with somebody because it blessed you and maybe we could be a blessing to someone that you care about, someone you love, you know, share it, send it to a friend, send it to a family member who you think would be able to use a message like this message today. And so with that said, we're going to be thinking about why we call Jesus Lord. We're going to talk about God breaking the silence. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes it can feel like, God, you sure are quiet. You know, there's a lot going on in this world. There's a lot happening in my life. And you sure are quiet. And so 
we're going to talk about God breaking the silence, the quiet. And let's pray right now as we go to God and let's talk to him about that. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we, we do come before you, God, and we are so grateful that, that even though sometimes it seems like you're quiet, you're quietly working in ways we can't see, that you are listening, that you are seeing what's happening in our lives, that you see and, and notice the struggles and the troubles and the praises and the good and the, and the happy moments. And you, you see everything about us. And we're so thankful that you're paying attention. And we're also thankful, God, that when it matters, you speak up. And when it matters, you move. And we're thankful that with the coming of Jesus, our Lord, you broke hundreds of years of silence. And you spoke so loudly that even here, thousands of years later, separated by language and oceans, even here in this little town of Vernonia, you have taken the message and the silence that you broke and you've spread it. And you have, you have spoken to us and you're speaking to us today, right here, right now. And so, God, we're thankful that you break the silence. And God, I pray you'll help us understand what it means for you to have broken the silence. And I pray that you'll help us walk away feeling better, feeling good, feeling encouraged about calling Jesus Lord as we lead into a season where we're really thinking about the coming of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, the Savior, the Prince of Peace, the Great I Am. God, I, I thank you for Jesus, and I pray that Jesus will meet us here today, will speak to each of us where we need a word from you. And we pray that with this message, you would maybe break some silence for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Well, let's dive into this teaching this morning. Again, I... I like I said, we're going to be talking about uh, broken silence. We're going to look at Luke again. Last week, we began talking about Luke, this historian, this author, this man who went on this great investigation, and he was interviewing eyewitnesses to write this book of Luke. And if you missed any of that message, feel free to jump back in into last week's message. It's a message that could be encouraging to you, a blessing to you, and uh, it will explain a lot of where Luke is coming from when he writes his gospel for us and, and this message for us and who he wrote it to. But right now, we're going to dive into uh, this passage where we're going to see God breaking the silence. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe you're a person and you don't like silence. A lot of us have a struggle with silence. A lot of us are uneasy when things are too quiet. You sit with somebody and nobody's speaking and you feel uncomfortable. You're sitting alone and 
you need something in the background. So you turn a TV on or you turn a radio on, you turn a podcast on. Uh, I guess I've kind of, I have my moments where I really like silence, but I've kind of become somebody who likes to have something in the background. Maybe it's just, it makes me feel more productive because I like to have a podcast or an audio book or something. Whenever I'm doing anything, I don't have to be thinking about or writing or concentrating for. I, I like to listen and have noise and have something going on in the background. I even find myself needing noise to help me go to sleep. I don't know if you're one of those people. You turn the fan on in the winter. Uh, my wife, she'll turn the air conditioner on in the winter just to have that noise to help her sleep. And I need to wear a hat when I sleep, you know, because it gets kind of cold. But, uh, but maybe you're a person who just struggles with silence. Silence is awkward to you. Silence is... Uh, I mean, it's just deafening. It's, it's, it's just, uh, it's a struggle for you. Well, I, I can think of a time where, where silence was something that, well, I just craved. Uh, and, and times like that are times where I've just had so much noise, so many things going on that I just wanted peace and quiet. Uh, the times that I'm thinking of are times like this. My kids are all in the car, and we have a long ride. Now, in Vernonia, we have to drive almost an hour to everywhere. Someone says, how long does it take to get there? And even if it takes like 35 or 45 minutes, I'll say an hour, because it's just easy to estimate up, right? It takes an hour. It takes an hour to go anywhere, to do anything, and then it takes an hour to get back. And by the time you go do something, go shopping or go somewhere, you've spent an hour and then spent another hour and then spent another hour driving home. And quite often that drive home is sort of one of those times where you're just, you're kind of tired. You're wore out. And the kids are asking questions. The kids are talking and they maybe they're fighting or arguing in the back seat, and dad's driving. And I'm just kind of getting to where like I need some quiet. I'm trying to drive, trying to watch the road. I'm getting stressed out. I'm tired and I need some quiet. So what I would do is I would say, hey, kids, <laughs> tell me if maybe leave a comment or something if you ever did this or if your parents ever did this. But hey, kids let's play a game whoa what's the game called well it's called the quiet game you know i and and <laughs> i'd say let's play the quiet game and the first time i tried it i thought this will never work but it worked and, and they all said okay well what's a quiet game well here's how it goes well, what you're gonna do is we're gonna turn down 47 and start heading towards home and it's gonna be about 12 15 minute drive and and what i want you to do is see how long you can go without saying a word and uh, and they'd all go okay well when do we start i'd say okay well let's start now and then it would be quiet and nobody would speak. And I'd drive and inside I'm going, praise Jesus. I have peace and quiet for the rest of my drive home, you know, and, and, and I, I was able to pull that off a time or two when they were really young. And I just, I couldn't believe it worked, but it was working. And one day uh, the whole family's in there and the kids are starting to get rowdy and I'm getting kind of on edge and I'm driving home and, 
And I said, all right, guys, we're going to play the quiet game. And uh, everybody got quiet. And we're driving. And my little sweet middle daughter at the time, she was little and sweet. Ah, she's still sweet. She's just a little older now and bigger. But uh, my little sweet daughter, who's a middle child, said, awkward. And everybody sort of busted up laughing. It, it was just a, a, a funny moment where she was feeling like that quiet was awkward. That, that quiet was uncomfortable. That quiet was building up too much and, and uh, it sort of broke the silence, right? And everybody sort of laughed and everybody had a, had a good chuckle over the moment. And we finished driving home and we had to talk the rest of the way home. But at least it wasn't chaos in the back seat anymore. And so the, the, the rabbit's out of the hat, kids. If you hear this or watching this or you hear me say it on, on uh, an in-person service, you'll know why we played the quiet game. But uh, quiet, it, it can be awkward. It can be sort of a struggle when... When it's on a more serious note, uh, maybe you had an argument with your spouse and it got quiet. Nobody's talking with each other and, and the argument is sort of stewing and you're not dealing with the elephant in the room. And, uh, and it's just building and tensions building and the quiet is painful almost, because nobody is speaking. Or maybe it wasn't a spouse. Maybe you dealt with the same thing with a friend or with a family member, and there was just this quiet, this, this silence coming from them, and it was awkward and, and maybe painful. Today, with social media and with the the quick responding and with texting and with all the messaging apps and and with everything out there that makes communication instant they even had to invent a word for someone when they're not responding to you when you're reaching out. And, and so this, uh, the, the generations that have grown up with this kind of communication, we'll call it ghosting. You know, you're ghosting me. You're not answering my messages. You're not responding in time. You're, you're ghosting me. And, and uh, nobody likes the feeling of being ghosted. Nobody likes the feeling of that kind of silence. Well, when we come to Luke chapter 1, what we're going to find is that there has been an awkward and uncomfortable uh, quietness from God with God's people. The people of Israel have not heard a peep from him. They haven't had a prophet speak on his behalf in quite a while. They haven't had a, a word of scripture penned in over 400 years. I mean, God has been quiet. The last time God spoke in the Old Testament, by the time we come to Luke's day, was about 400 years prior when he had the prophet Malachi share his prophecy with the people of Israel. Now, there were some special prophecies that he shared. There were some really important ones that he would share back then, and, and some of them would help lead us into what Luke is going to talk about in Luke chapter 1. One of them was, was this. In Malachi 3.1, he says, Look, I am sending my 
my messenger and he will prepare the way before me and then the and then the lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple the messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming says the lord of heaven's armies and in another place he, malachi will prophesy uh, he will say look i am sending you the prophet elijah before the great and dreadful day of the lord arrives his preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers otherwise i would come and strike the land with a curse and god makes a promise here in the prophecy of malachi he makes a promise that the lord would come and enter human history that he would send a messenger who would preach and his ministry would be like that of elijah the prophet and he would go before him and when he had gone before him he would preach and prepare people and get people fired up for this honored guest the one who is the lord himself who would come and preach as well and this messenger was going to be like well he was going to serve in a lot of way like a, a small town parade he's just going to get people's attention and and get people ready to receive an honored guest now in vernonia we love our small town parades a parade in vernonia uh, looks like this somewhere somehow people find out what time the parade is going to start it's probably in the local newspaper maybe it's on social media and people will start flocking out of their homes they will start lining the main drag that goes through the middle of town and uh, and their kids will be walking with bags ready to collect and dive and and fight over candy that's thrown from the different uh, vehicles usually in the parade now there will be a, a few floats that go through but a parade in vernonia looks more like uh, log trucks lots and lots of log trucks and maybe blowing some horns and throwing some candy and and fire trucks and uh, police and fire departments and and people walking and people riding horses and and people riding quads and people riding uh, four-wheel drive trucks trucks and jeeps and, and but it they will line the streets they will get ready to receive all the people coming down in the parade there'll be some clapping they'll be laughing they'll be waving people waving to their friends driving the trucks and candy getting thrown everywhere and every year at the jamboree parade which is a, a special it's called the vernonia friendship jamboree it's a it's a special weekend every year we have here in town at that parade there will be like a citizen of the year and that person will sit in a car and uh, they'll they'll drive through the parade and everybody will will applaud them you know and and uh, citizen of the year well it's kind of like that John the Baptist would end up being this one who is prophesied about and and he will lead the way before the Lord he will prepare the way it's sort of like he's going to get the parade started so that when Jesus comes uh, everyone's going to be ready he's going to prepare people he's going to get people lining the streets he's going to get the parade ready he's going to get it 
marching forward and he's going to preach and he's going to get people's hearts ready to hear what God has to say. And Malachi is prophesying that God is going to come and he's going to have this messenger who's going to come before him. He would preach, he would prepare, he would line the streets, he would preach a message of repentance so people would turn their hearts back to God and, and prepare to, to know the Lord. And, and then the Lord was going to come. He's going to come right into the temple and he's going to preach and the things that he would preach would help sinful people turn around and repent and they would turn around and and come to God. And that's what Malachi said was going to happen and with that Malachi will go silent and God will go silent. No one would hear another word. No other prophet would speak. No other word of scripture would be written. The people of Israel would, well, they would start to wonder, has God left us? Why is it so quiet? You could almost hear the, the sound of a little girl saying, awkward. God, where are you? And for 400 years, it seemed like God had left. God was quiet. All was silent. Is God ghosting us? And generation after generation, people would grow up and they wouldn't have a prophet for their generation. They wouldn't have a messenger of God for their generation. They would grow up. They would become more hard-hearted, more stiff-necked. They, they would grow up and become more cold to the word of God. And after 400 years of silence, many people are not walking with God anymore. And those who should have been, they weren't. Those who should have been were serving themselves rather than God, even with their positions of service. And, and a lot happened in those 400 years. The Roman Empire had risen up just like other biblical prophecy had prophesied. The Roman Empire overcame Israel, overcame Judah, besieged the city of Jerusalem, claimed it as its own. It had quelched a rebellion and, and crucified people up and down the streets of Jerusalem. I mean, a lot had gone on, and, and uh, like it did as it conquered other lands, the Roman Empire put its own leaders over Israel and, and put its own leaders to rule over them, and, and God never came, and God never rescued, and God's hand wasn't with the people who tried to, uh, tried to drive Rome out, and God wasn't with Jerusalem when, when Rome was attacking, and, and God, why are you so quiet? I mean, there's a lot going on. Don't you see what's going on? Well, why, why the silence? Why won't you speak? Why won't you send a prophet? Why won't you send a message? And so many of them had turned from God. But, but in their communities, there were a few people who had stayed true. In, in that culture of people who had turned their backs on God. I mean, there were people in their families who'd turned from God. There were people in their community who turned from God. There were even probably people who worshiped in their temples who were just sort of going through the motions, being religious, but not really having a relationship with God or caring about God. But there were a few. There was a remnant of people who said, yes, God, who decided they were going to 
serve God anyways. They were going to love God anyways. They were going to, they were going to seek God anyways, even though things seem to not be going well for God's people. Uh, they decided they were still going to stick with God and be faithful to God. They were still going to repent of their own sins, even when other people weren't. They were still going to pray when other people weren't. They were still going to read the scriptures and have an expectation in their hearts that God still is there, that God still is talking, that God still is working, even though we don't hear him, see him, or even see where uh, we know that God is still at work. And so what I want to do this morning is, is spend time in this story, this story where, well, where God shows up and he breaks the silence. I want to spend time in this story in Luke chapter 1 where we meet a guy who says, you know what, no matter what, I'm still going to be faithful to God even when it seems like he's being silent and he's delaying fulfilling prophecies like the prophecy in, in Malachi where he said, I'm going to come and I'm going to send someone to prepare the way. And I don't know where you are as we enter into this season, but maybe you're in a place and you kind of, well, you could feel that tension of silence. Maybe you are here today and you feel the tension of silence. You've been praying and you just don't know if God is answering or listening. You've been struggling and you wonder if God sees what's happening in your life. You've been, you've been really struggling with the world around you. There's a lot going on in our world, a lot of things that can make a person angry or make a person sad or make a person depressed. I mean, really, if you want to get depressed, I have an easy formula for you. Just watch the news all the time and, uh, and, and you'll get depressed. I mean, there's a lot of depressing things out there. But uh, what do we do? When it seems like with all this stuff going on in our world, what do we do uh, about the silence? Well, what I want to throw out there this morning is we continue to call him Lord and we continue to trust in him as Lord and we continue to serve him, love him, and, and we continue to just live our Christian life out even when other people aren't. Or maybe you're here and, and you're discouraged because people that you think should be living the life haven't been. Maybe there's people in your community or in your church or in your family who, well, they claim the name of Christ. And they, uh, they maybe even at one time were walking with Christ in just an amazing way, an inspirational way. But they've sort of turned that around. And that can be discouraging. And you can say, well, God, what are you doing about that? Do I stay silent about that? Do, does it mean that I give up and that I do what they did? You know, there, there are a lot of really famous and popular preachers, seems like, in the last few years who, well, they've turned on their faith. And there are a lot of people out there in your churches and, and people out there in our churches who... They, they seem to turn around on their faith. Or they let sin overcome their life. And, and it can be discouraging. You can be in the midst of, uh, of a bunch of broken people in church and forget that you're one too. But you can be in the midst of it and you could say, what do I do when the world around me, 
when the world around me isn't walking with God and it seems like God's silent, what do I do? And I don't know if you're in a place where you're asking those questions, but what I'm hoping today is as we go through this teaching that you'll find some answers to those questions. And I want to give you an answer right off the bat that will help, I think. And the first answer is this. First thing you do is live godly anyways. Other people might not be caring about what it means to be godly. Other people might not be living out a godly life. And maybe you've had your moments where you weren't living out a godly life. And I say maybe sort of tongue-in-cheek because most likely you have had a lot of moments where you didn't. But it doesn't mean you don't stop trying. It doesn't mean you don't stop giving it your all or giving it your effort. While most of the people around in Israel had, had their love grow cold, there were a group of people who devoted themselves to the Lord. And we meet one of them. His name is Zechariah. Uh, Luke is going to introduce us to him. And again, as we go through these stories, you know, Luke tells us that he interviewed people. Luke, Luke traveled to go and, and get the get the scoop of all these stories he writes about. And you could almost see, you know, Luke, maybe he interviewed Zechariah. He later he interviews Elizabeth and he goes and he talks with the people who were at the temple at the time when this event happened. And, and Luke just is gathering his resources as he tells us this story. But uh, we meet, we meet Zechariah in Luke chapter one, verse six. And it says, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. They were careful to obey all of the Lord's commands and requirements. And so we meet this guy who's living a godly life anyways. Now, he was righteous in God's sight. It doesn't mean he was perfect. It means that he was giving it his all to still love God, worship God, serve God, live as, a, uh, live as an example of somebody who's giving their all to God. And so that was who he was. And God's going to bless this guy. Uh, and, and in his story, he's going, to, he's going to use him in an just amazing way. Now we come to the story in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25, and, and we see that uh, some amazing things happen. It says, when Herod was king of Judah, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah and Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. There's our line, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. And they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. Now, one day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week, and it was the custom of the priests that he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn some incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Standing to the right of the incense altar, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayers. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. 
He will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah, and he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Well, then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand at the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent, unable to speak until this child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. <laughs> then they realized from his gestures and silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. And soon afterwards, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, went into seclusion for five months, how kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. And this story, this story is how God breaks about 400 years of silence with an angel in a temple on a special day with a man who's simply trying to live out a godly life. Zechariah is trying to do the best he can. To, and living out a, a godly life means you're going to do it even when there are some truths about you, or at least things you think are true about you. And, and when I say that, I want you to hear this. They're not necessarily true, because even though you think them to be true, I think God has a different idea. Well, let me, let me explain what I mean. You see, Zechariah was a man who lived out a godly life, even though he thought he was nobody important. Even though he thought he was nobody important. I mean, he was just a, 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 a small town priest who had made a trip to Jerusalem. And he was going to get the opportunity to do something special here. And even though he was from nowhere important or seemingly nowhere important, he was still going to live out his godly life. And sometimes we can use those as excuses. Well, I'm a nobody, so... Why try? Why should I? And I, 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 I'm a nobody from a nowhere. And, and what, what difference will it make? Well, like other people who are nobody important and, and from nowhere important, I have a feeling that Zachariah saw, um, never saw this moment coming. I'm speculating that he was a guy who simply said, you know what, no matter what, even, even though I'm a nobody from nowhere, I'm going to go ahead and live and die and serve the Lord and love the Lord and not worry about what other people are thinking. And, and I'm not even worried about making a big splash. I'm just going to be a guy who's going to be a righteous before the Lord. God seems to love people like that. God seems to use people like that to do extraordinary things that they never saw coming around the corner. Uh, he uses us to do way more 
than we think. Our influences and our choices and, and the things we do have a larger impact. And God takes them and he, and he does something bigger than, with them than we ever saw coming. Uh, even when you think you're a nobody. As a good historian, I don't know if you picked up all the details that Luke tells us here. Uh, Luke tells us in this story details like who was the ruler of the time and where this stuff happened. I mean, he even tells us where the angel appeared off to the right, you know, of the of the incense that's burning. I mean, he gives us a lot of detail here as he shares the story. But one of the things that God tells us about or that Luke tells us about, is uh, how, how God went silent with his last words to Malachi, but he speaks up when Herod the Great is king. Now, Herod the Great was a sort of, uh, well, he was an evil tyrant, wicked man, and yet at the same time, he was incredibly um, shrewd as king. He liked to be called king, and so Luke writes that he was king, and that's what he asked everybody to call him, as a title he claimed, even though he was subject to the emperor, who was ruler of Rome. But Herod was sort of this man who was a somebody. He wanted a lot of people to like him, so he had the temple that had been destroyed when when uh, Jerusalem fell, and, and he had that temple rebuilt, and he rebuilt it bigger and better, and, and he did big things you know and and uh, he he also was well paranoid he was a guy who was paranoid about losing his power he was paranoid about uh, people rising up against him he was so paranoid that he killed his own sons and he killed his own wife and he was so paranoid that when the king of kings and lord of lords and king of the jews was born when we go to the christmas story he's the king that ordered all the children two years old and younger that lived in the area around where it was speculated jesus was born he ordered that all those children be killed and so that's the kind of king this guy was and and yet he was a, a famous man he's a famous man in history, and, and he was an important man, and I mean, he was a somebody, but that's not who God breaks the silence with. No, he, he comes to this little old priest. Now, Zechariah and his wife, they were, they were priests. They were from a family of priests. Uh, they, you could kind of think of them the way that you would think of, uh, well, maybe a, a preacher and his wife, and the preacher is the son of a preacher of a small town, and, and he's a preacher in a small town. And his wife is a, a preacher's daughter who is a preacher's daughter who is a preacher's daughter. And, and together, they're a preacher and a, and a preacher's daughter in a small town. And, and they're old. I mean, talk about a nobody. I mean, uh, I'm not saying old people are nobodies, but a lot of times society kind of treats them that way. A lot of times society forgets about them. A lot of times society doesn't think about them. And uh, a lot of times uh, being old just sounds like something that says you're done, you're finished. And he was a 
nobody, living nowhere. And he was an old, a very old nobody. Now, before you start thinking about him as being 120 or something like that, when we're saying very old, uh, actually, the term could mean anything over 50. And uh, that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable, to be honest with you. Uh, he, he, he was very old. He was maybe 50 or older. Uh, well, I kind of picture Zechariah being older than 50. But we have to remember there at a time when, when people don't live as old as we do today and, and they don't uh, they don't typically make it that far but I picture Zachariah and his wife being well off in years way over 50 and they're childless which also puts them in a category where uh, they have some strikes against them I mean in that day and age uh, there was no social security you weren't going to go into a, a retirement home or a place where you could get help uh, that you needed you you needed children to help you and so Zechariah and Elizabeth they're old and they have nobody and so he's just this old retired preacher and wife who have nobody in their life and nobody to take care of them and, and nobody to to look to for help and they're childless and on top of that you could probably assume they're poor I mean they're 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 not people who have great wealth. They're, I mean, they've just been serving God and they've just been kind of kind of making it by and, and living in a small town far away from Jerusalem. And uh, and now he's uh, he's he's we find him and he comes to Jerusalem. Now we're going to talk about why in a minute. But I love what one man writes about Zechariah. He said, according to the world's view, he's a nobody who lived nowhere and had nothing. And yet God sees him and God cares about him. And, and God ends up doing some amazing things through him. And, and yet he also is someone who said, no matter who I'm not, who I'm going to be is I'm going to be someone who lives a righteous life and, and I'm righteous before God. And I'm going to be careful to obey what God wants me to do. And so often we get really wrapped up in what other people are doing that we forget that it's not about that. That we decide no matter where we're at, we're going to live a righteous life and obey. And it also means that when you think that you're not so significant, that you're no one of significance, that you're still going to live godly anyways. Zechariah was a priest, but he was one of many. There were a lot of priests in his day. In fact, one man says that there's over 18,000 priests who were serving all throughout the land of Israel. And, and don't make that mistake of thinking that it's 18,000 people who love God, who live righteous before God, and who are careful to obey. Because there are a lot of people who, whether they're priests or pastors or, or whatever, even though they should be loving God, living righteously and careful to obey, they're not always. And yet Zechariah stood out among that group of 18,000. And uh, that 18,000 was divided up to 24 different groups of 750 group, 
people each. Each division of 750 would get an opportunity to travel occasionally to Jerusalem for one week. And two times a year, they would minister at the temple. And so uh, so Zechariah and Elizabeth would travel to Jerusalem from wherever they lived with their 750 other priests that would meet them there. And all 750 would show up. They would cast lots. Now in the Bible, casting lots was something they would do to to like leave it up to God. Uh, they would they would take uh, something like a dice and they would throw it and they would cast lots to find out well who whose turn is it going to be now don't mistake the casting lots wasn't gambling this isn't like some proof text for gambling that we're going to talk about here uh, because often casting lots was i'm going to make some choices between good two good options or or 750 good options they're all priests they're all there to serve and and we're going to cast lots and put it in God's hands and in Proverbs Solomon will talk about casting lots and he will say this we may throw the dice but the Lord determines how they fall you know and 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 the idea that Solomon is trying to get at there is the idea that well God ultimately determines the outcome of the story that God is sovereign that God is providential that God is working behind the scenes and and even in that like we think God is silent but God has been working God has been working bringing about his purposes even though he's been quiet he's been quietly in the background and uh, he's been say, setting this moment up and so the cat the lots are cast and the dice are thrown and Zechariah is chosen and God has something in mind for what happens here and even with Zechariah being chosen Zechariah still probably could have thought well what is this all about so out of the 750 what would happen is the dice would be thrown and and one person would be chosen and that one person would have a big exciting job they would uh, they would be chosen they would get dressed up and and ceremonially clean themselves they would go into the temple to a special place they would carry incense with them burn some incense on the altar say a prayer and then leave and when they had done that they were praised everybody said they were blessed and they were done for life never to do it again so this was sort of Zachariah getting his once in a lifetime moment and it's an interesting thing to think about that Zachariah out of the 750 uh, had showed up year after year after year after year over decades and uh, he'd showed up and the, the, the lot was cast and he wasn't chosen and so, so you could get to thinking that maybe this guy, year after year after year, serving God, was thinking, well, maybe God doesn't want me to serve him that way, you know. But he said, that's okay. I'm still going to live righteous and godly. I'm going to be careful to obey God, whatever he wants me to do. Even though I might feel like uh, I'm not so important. Even though I might feel like I'm not so significant. Well, his day of significance came. And on that day, uh, he he got ready. He goes into the temple and he burns the incense. And then all of a sudden, right there is, uh, is an angel. An angel begins to speak to him. An angel breaks the, I mean, with that angel's voice speaking to Zechariah, 
the angel breaks all those years of silence. God all of a sudden speaks through the voice of a messenger. Now in scripture, angels were uh, messengers. Uh, they're not like what you see in TV and movies today. Uh, an angel isn't a person that died, maybe had unfinished business and had to earn their wings. That's, that's a completely fictitious idea. The Bible never teaches that idea. Instead, the Bible teaches us that angels are a creation of God separate from people, that, that angels are his messengers and his servants, and he uses them to communicate with us and, and and they are a separate heavenly creation of God. Uh, we don't die and become angels, but angels uh, have a specific place and a specific role in God's kingdom. And there are only two angels we know of by name in scripture, and one of them is Gabriel, and this is that special angel here at that moment, breaking the silence of God. And he says to, uh, says to Zechariah, hey, God's about to fulfill his prophecy in Malachi. In Luke chapter 1, verse 16 to 17, he says, And he will turn, talking about his son, he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. And, uh, and here in this moment, Zechariah is going to ask a question. Uh, and I sort of pick up a little bit of humor. Maybe maybe Luke thought this was a little bit humorous, or maybe not. Maybe it was all just taken in seriousness, and it was serious business. The angel Gabriel is going to be frustrated with him for asking what he asks. But he says, okay, well, how do I know this is going to be true? You know, how do I know this is going to happen? And uh, he, he gives all the reasons why it shouldn't happen to him. I'm a nobody from nowhere, and I'm no one special, right? I, I'm no one with significance. Hey, Zachariah, uh, um, and the angel says, listen up, buddy. Uh, I'm Gabriel, the angel of God. I, I stand at the right hand of the throne of God. I have been there. Uh, or, or I stand at the throne of God, and I listen uh, to to God. And, and I've been standing here and God has shared with me what he wants me to share with you. And, and you may feel like a nobody from nowhere who has done nothing significant, but I'm a somebody from somewhere. And, and I have a significant message for you to let you know that uh, God wants to do something in your life and he's working. And this is going to happen. And so what he did, basically says is, listen up, buddy. God is saying this, and this is going to happen. And so because this happened, uh, he wanted, he wanted uh, Zechariah to, to really take it serious. He says, basically, you're going to have to be quiet about it now. You're not going to be able to tell anybody about it until it happens. Until your son is born, you name him, it's, you're not going to be able to speak. In Luke 1, chapter or verse 19, Gabriel will say, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Uh, by the way, I, I, I know I, I misspoke there. I said he, he stands in the right hand of the throne of God. That's Jesus. Uh, and it just, I got excited there. But Gabriel says, I stand in the presence of God. I, I speak for God and, and listen up to what I'm saying. And, and maybe you can find yourself in the seed of Zechariah. Maybe sometimes you can find yourself feeling like a nobody from nowhere who's not 
doing anything significant. And I just want you to see that God loves using people just like you. He loves doing things through people like you. And even though you can't see the significance of what he has going on, what he's doing, even though you can't see it, live godly anyways. Because that will allow him to continue to work through you in ways that you just don't know will come. When the world around you is coming apart at the seams and other people aren't living godly anyways, well, what do you do? Well, you live godly anyways, and I want you to feel good about it. Even if you think that it's not going to make a difference, I want to tell you, it does. And God is using you to make a difference. There are people who look up to you that you have no clue. There are people who are listening to you that you don't even know about. There are people who are watching you and your life, and they're learning from you, and you never knew that God was using you in their life. And the best thing you can do is live godly anyways. And while you're living godly anyways, the other thing you can do is this, to quietly trust and pray. To quietly trust and pray. Now, don't misunderstand me. There's going to be a time to speak up, to, to not be quiet. There's going to be a time to, to shout the praises of God and, and to shout out uh, the, the message of God. There's going to be a time to speak up and say, repent to a world that's, well, walking away from God and doomed for destruction. There are times to speak up, but there's also times to simply be quiet, trust in God, and pray. Sometimes that's the best thing we can do is just to sit back and let God do what God is doing and to wait quietly. And what I mean by that is this. Gabriel told <laughs> Gabriel told Zechariah that because he felt the need to speak up and to complain or to speak up and to um, question that now he was going to learn to just be quiet and watch God do what God does. So he made him mute, took away his ability to talk. And Zechariah did what a lot of us do, I think, and we still do. Uh, we question God. When God says, this is the truth, we say, well, how do I know? When God says, this is what I want to do for you, we say, how do I know? When God says, here's how I feel about you, we say, how do I know? For example, in, in Scripture, it says that, uh, well, it says that in Romans 1.8, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we as Christians still struggle and say, how do I know I'm forgiven? How do I know God saves me from my sin? How do I know God forgives me of my sin that I committed and, and the sin that, that, that I allowed in my life? How do I know that God forgives me? And yet he told us in his word through the Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But we still ask, how do I know? Maybe the best thing we could do is to be quiet and trust. Say, God, I'm going to trust you that you tell the truth. That if I believe in Christ, my sins are 
forgiven and there is no condemnation. And God says, I love you. And we say, God, I don't feel loved. How do I know? You've been silent. You've been quiet. How do I know you love me? Well, let me just share with you some ways that God says uh, he loves us. He says that his love for you is eternal. Uh, he, he says it's eternal. It, it lasts forever. His love for you is eternal. He it says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And in Psalm 136, every, every verse of the 26 verses of Psalm 126 ends with this line, his faithful love endures forever. God is forever going to love you. He's going to eternally love you. And we still say, God, how do I know you love me? Well, I love you eternally, he says. And then in another place, he tells us that uh, his love is perfect. He has this perfect love for us. We know how much God loves us in 1 John 4, it says. And I'm going to read the whole verse. It says, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this this world so love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear if we're afraid it is for fear of punishment and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love and God says my love for you is perfect and we say yeah but I'm afraid of judgment day and he says no my love for you is perfect and maybe the best thing we can do is be quiet trust that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. And he says to us, my love for you is unfailing. In Psalm 33, 5, it says he loves whatever is just and good. The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. So he says, my love for you is perfect, my, or, or eternal. My love for you is perfect. My love for you is unfailing. And then he says, my love for you is infinite. It just goes on and on and on and beyond what you can understand. In Ephesians 3, he says this, I, I pray from his glorious, unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete in all of the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And, and we and we still we still ask, how do I know God loves me? How do I know? Zechariah said, how do I know what you say is going to happen? And we say, how do I know God loves me? And we even look at the story of Jesus dying on the cross. We look at him being crucified, being tortured. We look at him dying there and saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And we look at him and he says, it's finished. The gospel, the forgiveness 
of all mankind for their sins, if they would believe in him and receive his grace, it's finished. We see him buried and raised from the dead. And even after raising from the dead, he still taught about forgiveness and grace and forgiveness of sins. And we say, how do I know God forgives me? How do I know God loves me? And Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, he said, I'm going to come back just like you've seen me leave. And we say, how do I know Jesus is really going to come back? And it's sometimes the best thing we can do is be quiet and trust. And be quiet and trust. And as we are quiet and trusting, we live a godly life, careful to obey everything he's commanded we just trust in him and part of quietly trusting is prayer and i know that almost sounds opposite because isn't prayer asking isn't prayer talking isn't prayer in the silence kind of like a little girl saying awkward and speaking up well yeah but you can pray without speaking words of anxiety and worry. And you can pray without showing a lack of trust. You can pray. And what is it that you've stopped praying for because you weren't hearing from God? What is it that you haven't prayed for? Or maybe you just stopped praying altogether. And why did you do that? Because you felt like God wasn't listening? Because you felt like there was silence? Because you felt like maybe God was ghosting you? Well, I just want to tell you, God broke the silence already. He, he has already broken that silence. And with Zechariah, he said to him, I have heard your prayers. Now, another thing that we didn't talk about when it came to Zechariah was the pain in his life. Him and Elizabeth had this pain that they hadn't had children. And in their day, uh, they often would see that as God having removed his blessing, that, that God didn't bless them with children. And there was a, a painful side to that. Now, I know couples today that they struggle with that pain too. And this, this verse isn't a verse that says if you pray for children, God's going to definitely give them to you. No, that. That's not always the case. There are a lot of other people like Zechariah who they didn't have children and God didn't give them children. This time there was a specific thing that God was doing in Zechariah's life. But that's not to say you should stop praying. And that's not to say God doesn't hear your prayers. In fact, God always hears our prayers and God always answers. Sometimes his answer is yes and he does what we ask. Sometimes his answer is no. And he knows there's something better for us or something different that he wants to do in our life or a different direction he wants to take us or, or a different blessing he wants to bring to us. Sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says not yet. And here for Zechariah, he and uh, his wife have been praying and praying and praying. They've had this pain in their life, this hurt because they had no children. And, and, and the angel Gabriel says, don't be afraid. God has heard your prayers. God hears what you're saying. In Luke 1.13, he says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. You see, God is always 
always listening. He's always hearing what you're praying. And, and sometimes his answer will be, not yet. Here, Zechariah, he says, okay, the time has come. I'm going to answer your prayer. I want to encourage you, don't give up praying. Especially if it's something that you feel like, I've been praying for years and years and years. You know, I know people who finally said yes to Jesus. And, and people had prayed for them for years to come to faith. And finally they make a decision. And, and, and how glad they are that they didn't stop praying that they gave up. And you moms, keep praying for your kids. You know, you dads, keep praying for your families. And, and keep praying for the people you love and you care about. And, and keep praying. Uh, keep praying and, and keep diligent. And as you do, even when you feel like God is silent... I want to encourage you to keep praying. Here again, that's what Zechariah did. Zechariah, he just kept faithfully serving. Small town preacher, he just kept doing it. Small town priest shows up and he does what God calls him to do. He's faithful at it. He's being righteous in God's sight, even when his community and people around him aren't. And he's praying, even when it seems like God's not answering. He's praying for years and years and years. He, he, how long did he pray? 10, 20, 30, 40 years? They, they've been married for a long time. They've had no kids for a really long time. Remember, they're very old. And uh, that's something my kids tell me all the time. And, and I'm not quite 50 yet. Uh, I'm, I'm getting closer uh, to 50, but I'm not quite there yet. But I really do think Zechariah was even older than that. And they've been praying for kids kids and and God finally says to him okay I'm hearing your prayers I want to encourage you don't give up don't give up keep calling this Jesus Lord because God breaks the silence he brings the messenger in who's going to declare that the Lord is coming and he's going to do it through this simple man who was a nobody from nowhere who thought he was doing nothing significant. But he was faithful. And God worked through him. To bring about his, his purposes. To bring about redemption for all of us. To bring about a herald who would tell us about Jesus. And prepare hearts for Jesus. And I want to encourage you. Especially those of you who are living godly anyways. I want to encourage you to keep it up. It matters. It makes a huge difference. Even if all you do is help one person, encourage one person, challenge one person, live as a role model for one person, you never know how big that impact might be in God's ultimate redemptive plan. You might be the one that he uses to save the next Billy Graham. You might be the one that he uses to help win an entire community to Christ, an entire state, an entire nation to Christ. You might be the one that he uses to make a difference that you never saw coming. God has this great redemptive plan and he loves to use people like you. So keep calling Jesus Lord. Keep feeling good about calling him Lord and keep 
well, keep living godly. Anyways, I'd like to pray for you as you do just that. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray that this message is an encouraging message. To those who have joined us online, who need the encouragement to stay true, to stay faithful, to stay righteous, to continue to be careful to obey you. Pray, God, that you will just bless and encourage. I pray that you'll help us to learn what it means to be quiet and trust in you to keep your word. And I pray, Father, that we will continue to pray. We'll continue to pray for the things on our hearts, whether it's prayers for healing, prayers for people we love to come to know you, prayers of praise, joy in you, prayers of thanks. God, maybe for some of us, this is just a reminder to pray. Sometimes those of us living godly lives can get so wrapped up in living godly lives, we forget to pray. God, I pray that you'll remind us to pray. <laughs> God, I want to pray a special blessing for each one who's joined us today. I pray that you will be with them this week, that they will see you at work. Maybe they'll get a glimpse of places where they feel like you're silent. They'll get a glimpse of where you're moving and speaking. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I do want to say thank you for joining me here for this online teaching. I really enjoy going through these teachings with you, and I look forward to um, putting them together every week, and I look forward to being with you and, and just seeing God move and work in your life. Uh, if God is encouraging you in some way today, I'd love to hear it. Um, one of the ways that you can communicate with me is we have a link down below. It's either a link in the uh, description of the podcast, or it's a link down below in the YouTube, or it's a link down below on Facebook Live, and you could click that link to an online connection card, and there on that connection card, you can let me know that you are here. You could also let me know how I could be praying for you, uh, and we are leading into the holiday season, and I don't want to skip Thanksgiving, and one thing I'd like to encourage you to do is just let me know what is something you're thankful for that God has done in your life. Uh, so I'd love to have you fill out a connection card. Just let me know something you're thankful for, where God has moved, where God has spoken, where God has answered. I'd love to hear what some of those are. You know, last week I asked people to tell me uh, something they were thankful for about their church. And uh, I heard all kinds of encouraging things, you know, that, that the people here are friendly, that, uh, that, that they're encouraged that they hear the word spoken in truth, that they're encouraged that there's a church that's working so hard to share the gospel, that they're encouraged uh, in, with the outreach, or they're encouraged with the events. Uh, I even got ones that said they were encouraged that we had a, we're the only church in our community that 
has a full-time youth pastor and and so they were encouraged by that you know and and they were they were happy about that and uh, heard a lot of really encouraging things and so I'd love to hear some of the things that you have to say that are encouraging when it comes to uh, how are you thankful or where are you thankful that God has worked in your life in a special way? Now, next week, we're going to have a special time uh, at our in-person service where, where we're going to give a chance for people to give thanks to God uh, for something he's done. And uh, you're welcome to tell me about those two today uh, on your connection card. But next week, I want to have a special time, and I'm not sure how it's going to look. I want to have a special time where we give thanks to God as part of our online teaching time. Um, and uh, people choose to use this in all kinds of different ways. We've had people, they came to church, they heard we were going to do that. Uh, they don't usually go to church. They are not members of a church. They're not even believing Christians, but they heard we were going to have a special time to say thank you to God, and they wanted to come to church just to do that. Uh, one example would be the guy that uh, he was in a car wreck, and he survived the car wreck, and he always felt like God got him through that. And he, he never went to church before, but he heard we were having a special service, time to do that. So he said, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to give thanks to God for, for saving me in that car wreck. Uh, I mean, there, there's all kinds of ways this can go, but uh, want to get you thinking for next week too. You know, how can, what, what is something you're really thankful to God for? And working in your life. But this week, what I want to hear is, you know, where has God blessed you? Where's God spoken? Uh, where's God showed himself? And I'd love to hear you tell me you're thankful that God has shown himself in this way or that. So uh, I, I don't know if I made that too confusing because they do sound very, very similar. Well, do whatever you want. Okay, let me know. I just want to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you and be praying for you too. Um, do want to encourage you, uh, if you're being blessed by these uh, teaching times, if you're being blessed, and, and this has been sort of your online church home, this has been a place where you've been encouraged and ministered to, want to encourage you to maybe help uh, support what we're doing. Maybe you could join us in giving to God and join us in supporting this online teaching time and supporting its growth and its outreach. Uh, I'd like to encourage you to do that. Some people have chosen to do that by going online to our website. And if you can go to our website at www.vernonia.church and there there's a give tab. You click that give tab and you could set up giving uh, and uh, some people they chose to do it just by giving a dollar a message right a dollar a week and so uh, so if you want to do that I'd welcome you to join us in doing that if you wanted to give more substantially you could totally do that too there are a lot of people who do that as well uh, but you could do that easily through www.vernonia.church where also by the way you could find links to our messages and links to our older messages and uh, YouTube and everything like that. And so uh, be sure to check that out. Uh, you could also give by texting the word give. A simple way to do it is you could text the word give, G-I-V-E, to 503-376-6646. That's 503-376-6646. And you could text the word give there. And you could also set up the same kind of giving you could do on our, on our website. There's two easy ways, quick and easy ways that you could give. And love to have you be a part of supporting the ministry that we're doing. Before we finish up, I'd like to invite you to pray with me today a special prayer. This prayer is a prayer for Vernonia Church and our outreach. You know, uh, 
I said, let's not give up praying. Well, one of the things I just want to pray together about every week, whether you're online or in person, is I want to pray that God will bless this ministry in a way that helps people come to know him. That does exactly what we've been talking about. You know, we as a church, we're going to continue living godly lives. We're going to continue uh, preaching the message of Christ and trying to live by it. We're going to continue trusting in God's word and we're going to continue praying for lost people and we're just going to do it every week and pray for this ministry that it reaches out and we're going to be faithful no matter what and we're just going to hope and pray and trust that God is going to use uh, what we're doing for his glory well let's pray together right now for that father in heaven I want to pray for Vernonia Church I want to pray that you would use the outreach this online teaching time for your glory I want to pray, God, that uh, you will bring this message today and all the messages that we're doing to just the right person at just the right time with just the right message. That the message would be encouraging, challenging, a blessing, uplifting. That because of all the messages we're putting out, God, and, and all this ministry that we're doing, that People will come to know saving faith in you, that they will come to know eternal life and hope, and they will come to know some truths about themselves and about you that will help them be able to be quiet and trust in you. God, I pray that you would use the ministry of Redonia Church to reach new people for Christ continually. I give you praise for people that are making decisions and, and giving their life to the Lord. I give you praise for, for the way your word is working. And God, I just pray that you'll continue working through Vernonia Church. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I do want to encourage you. You know, last week we had a um, in-person membership class. And I eventually it's going to take some work but eventually I want to put together some online material besides just our online worship service for those of you who are who are joining us online regularly and who this has become your online church um, and maybe a membership class of some sort or, or something like that but uh, but we had our in-person membership class this last Sunday and we had a lot of people that were at it and we had people that made decisions to to accept Jesus as their Lord and we had people that made decisions to get baptized at that class and it's just exciting to see God working and so I, I should have shared that with you before we prayed just want to share with you that Vernonia Church is moving and God is using what we're doing and that's just reason to say praise God you know we're so glad that we have a chance to be a part of it and I'm so glad that you're joining us and you're a part too well let's go ahead and finish up doing uh, our our online teaching time the same way we do every Sunday or every Sunday together is uh, we declare it's been a great day so on the count of three I'm going to declare it's a been a great day if you're in a place where you can do it join us and, and do it too and so one two three it's been a great day I hope you have a great day and I'll see you next Sunday as we continue this teaching series about why we call Jesus Lord have a great week mm -hmm.